everybody. Welcome back to a new episode of Bitch Breathe. I am your host, Ricardia Bremley. Oh, so today we're going to talk about self-loathing. <laughs> Sound like a lot of fun? No, it is. It actually really is. I came to this subject not too long ago. Who am I kidding? I come to this subject periodically. <laughs> but I wanted to talk about it because... There are so many contextual situations where we are confronted with this. I know we're also often confronted with loathing other people, and I'm sure that's worth an episode or two. But today we're going to talk about when this energy is turned inward. So you probably know this. You come away from a confrontation, not really having said what you wanted, not maybe having defended yourself, or maybe you went into the offense too much, whatever it is. And then afterwards, you're having all these fantasies of what you should have said to that deli owner who was really rude, or what you should have said to your boss so that she or he can appreciate you more. And there's all this sort of movie theater stuff going on in our heads of how eloquent and witty and destructive we could have been towards this other person who we might feel handled the whole situation in an unfair way towards us. Or another situation, this is, again, what happened to me the other day. I was doing this six-phase meditation. It's with Vishen Lakhiani. You might know the guy from Mind Valley, And he does this wonderful meditation where he leads you through a few phases. And some of them are forgiveness, imagining your perfect day, visualizing the future. And another one of them is gratitude. He divides it into two things, uh, something or someone you're grateful for and three things you're grateful for about you. And it's happened to me two times, maybe three times, where I get to this point the other one is forgiveness. I sometimes don't manage that one particularly well either. But I get to this gratitude part, gratitude for me part in the meditation. And I'm sitting there trying to come up with a list of things that I think are really, really great about me that I really am grateful for. And depending on the life phase, I'll come up with something real fast and I'll feel really good because obviously that was the underlying mood was I feel good today. Ricardia is an okay person today. But there has been a phase now where that just wasn't happening. I'm sitting there, I'm like, oh man, this is like math class all over. I'm supposed to know the answers and for the life of me, I cannot come up with any. So I thought to myself, what is that? Like, why am I being so, well, self-loathing? And there's so many reasons for it, you know, as women especially, but I know that this is also a thing for men, is body issues. Or maybe, like I said, a conversation went badly. Or maybe you relapsed on an addiction. You just put behind you some really bad parenting. You yelled at your kid or you're returning to a relationship that you know is not good for you, but you're going to go ahead and do it. Or maybe you're even having an affair. Whatever it is, it's just the worst feeling. This feeling of, oh, I just suck on such a gigantic scale, I don't know what to do with myself. And for some reason, I can't stop myself. Now, I know that some of these things are a little more serious than others, uh, keyword being addiction, for example. I want to make sure that it's not 
that I don't take these things seriously, but I would like to look at this from a more humorous perspective also, because I think self-loathing is an absolutely universal thing, just like we want love is universal. We want to feel accomplished. We want to feel like we're passionate about our work. Those are some of the positive things, but I think one of the more negatively connoted things is self-loathing. So when we come up with this, let's say we did return to what we consider a bad habit. I've found it really helpful to understand that as we come back to us after this behavior or this incident happened, that the recovery from this confrontation, from the situation, whatever it is, won't look anything like a linear progression. It's not like, okay, incident A happened, so then what follows logically or in a linear fashion is B, I recognize my bad behavior, C, I begin to accept it, and then D, I move on. If it were that simple, there wouldn't be as much literature out there. We wouldn't be body shaming all over ourselves and trying to also be right in conversations, whatever it is. The recovery, the coming back to ourselves that often looks like self-loathing is not linear. We're going to fall and then we're going to get back up and then we fall again and get back up. So to sort of understand that this is a cyclical thing. That doesn't mean we keep falling backward in terms of one step forward and five steps back. You want the progression to have an upward motion. Don't get me wrong. I mean, I'm not <laughs> advocating downward spirals here, but I am advocating a certain kind of spiral, meaning the relapses, the return to self-loathing, the bad self-talk, whatever it is, is going to come over and over again. Why? Not because... <laughs> loving the doubling up here because we are so bad and so we hate ourselves even more and get into that whole cycle. Yes, that is also part of it. But also we have been raised in ways that condone self-loathing to understand that we are going against a conditioning that might have been going on for decades. It need not go on for decades for it to be effectively present in our lives, but it could have. And so sort of breaking a habit in a year or five that really has been going on for 30 or 40 or just 10, that's not so easy. So keep returning to this idea of a cyclical progression. It's going to get better. The periods that you spend self-loathing will hopefully get shorter and we'll get to some of those tactics later. So just understanding also that to change, to be able to handle a confrontation in a way that looks like it has grace, that it has dignity, that you walked away not being totally cake-faced, that takes a moment. Changing is uncharted territory. You're now going into a territory that you don't know because you're changing something about yourself. So instead of killing ourselves over not having stuck to that diet that we really wanted to do because apparently it's really effective for JLo, <laughs> um, is to understand that this is new territory. And we need to understand that we can't do this in an instant. And why should you find the right way right away? Where? How? Who's going to help you with that? The only way to not go into the self-loathing because something went wrong or you feel like you fundamentally messed up a situation is to understand that you cannot know the right way immediately. And so speaking of trying to find the right way, 
It's important to have, and if you've listened to any of my previous episodes, you'll know my saying this all the time. Have you checked if you have a good support group? Because again, in some ways, like attracts like sometimes. So if we're constantly in a context or with people who also have a whole lot of self-loathing and a little bit of scarcity in the self-love department, chances are that's not going to be helpful because we won't necessarily be able to see something that we want to be. Now, keep in mind, it's great when people understand us, when there also has been an experience of self-loathing, but we need to be able to have role models. And I'm not saying aspiring to whoever's at the top of the charts or a top movie star or whatever. If that inspires you, great. Me personally, I'm like, that seems so far away that I don't even right? Plus, they got all these personal trainers and everything. It's like, yeah, it's easy for them. Someone's cooking three healthy meals for them for a day. But you get my my meaning to sort of find an immediate support group around you find people who really inspire you to take care of yourself to love yourself. And that when that doesn't go well, to do it anyway, to be rebellious enough to love yourself, even when you're not happy with your behavior, or yourself right now. Another situation where I used to find a lot of self-loathing in myself, it's not very strong now anymore, but I wanted to bring it up because I do still think it does a number on our, on our mental health, is whose life are we comparing ours with? If we are looking at our Instagram feeds, our Facebook feeds a lot, you know, hashtag squat challenge here, hashtag vacation in, I don't know, Hawaii there. After a while, it can feel like, my God, I've not accomplished anything. I should have done this, that or the other. And before we know it, we're in a time loop of should have done this in the past or a comparative loop where it's like, how come I'm not there right now? You know, whatever it is, careers, partners, vacations, whatever's showing up in this comparative situation of looking at Instagram feeds or listening to that one friend who just seems to do everything right. And you're just like, oh, my God, how is it that I always look like a total loser next to this person? It doesn't make them a bad person, but it surely makes us want to inspect our own perspective of ourselves. So just staying away from this absolutely toxic situation of comparison. Now, I know we've heard this a million times before, which is why the question begs to be asked, well, how am I supposed to do that? Because I do keep catching myself comparing. Well, the most obvious one first, stay away from all these social media feeds. They're just not helpful. If you get your news from Instagram, I tend to sometimes, then get it from somewhere else, right? Maybe sign up for some positive newsletters, body positive groups. I mean, there's so much out there now that if we don't seek help, then it's partially our responsibility that we're not doing better because there is a lot of stuff going on out there that wants to support us, people who are able to support us. And there is no need to keep comparing to what isn't working. When we come into this mode of self-loathing and we just feel fundamentally dysfunctional. We feel isolated in this self-hatred almost sometimes that then the subsequent emotion that often will come up and come up violently, at least for me, is shame. I feel ashamed that I haven't 
made it, if you will. I feel ashamed that I didn't succeed in the way that I thought I would or that I didn't handle that conversation. I remember specifically, it's not long ago at all, just a few weeks, there was a rather heated confrontation at my workplace at one of my projects. And this person came at me very unexpectedly and in a very, very rude and vulgar mode that, quite frankly, I didn't see coming. There had been warning signs. This person was not a particularly eloquent communicator and just had a lot of her own self-loathing issues, I'm going to guess. So after I had been yelled at, I didn't manage to not yell back. In fact, I now fully turned up the heat. I yelled back. I think the F word was used at an inflationary rate. And I don't regret, by the way, that I came back because I think that was the necessary language in that context because I wasn't being understood in any other way. But what happened later is that I felt ashamed, not that I had used these words, not that I had gotten angry, but because I thought I knew better. I should have stood up for myself a whole lot sooner, and I felt ashamed that I hadn't done that, that I had given the impression that I do not defend myself, that it's perfectly fine to treat me this way, because that whole time, when I thought I was being restrictive in my emotions, really handling them well, I wasn't at all. I was just not defending myself. I was probably even being passively aggressive, which to me is like the most annoying kind of aggression other than physical, of course. So in that shame, I felt a smallness coming. Like I just felt so small. And at this age and stage of my life, I don't want to feel small anymore. I don't feel like I have a whole lot more opportunities to let that just go by. And so, of course, I got really pissed off with myself. And it was so hard to forgive my own behavior. And so that is the contrast that is now being painted. The shame is creating a smallness, like I want to shrink away from life. I want to shrink away from how I handle things. Whereas forgiveness, and I want to even say self-forgiveness, has a large S, right? So smallness versus largeness. And so in terms of navigating, coming from the smallness then to the largest is really about the forgiveness, about forgiving ourselves for not being perfect, which for some reason, it's so annoying that we all buy into it. But meanwhile, we've all gotten into this mode that we have to be perfect somehow. We're being told by all the kinds of Instagram feeds and memes that you don't need to be perfect. But the truth is, we're all so into self-optimization, into being in this, what I call the happiness imperative, this toxic positivity sometimes, you know, making the best of life, and, you know, going out there, getting those jobs, getting those partners. And it's like, for fuck's sake already. <laughs> like, can we just like back off for a minute and be okay that we're just leading a normal life? That maybe making it whatever making it means isn't necessarily going to lead me to be happy and big in my life. I can be big in a life that isn't famous. I can be huge in a life that nobody else knows about because maybe I live on the outskirts of some city or whatever it is. There can be bigness in anonymity, in just leading a decent life. Now, I also am victim often to this think bigger, Ricardo. You got to dream bigger. Come on, this is the time, especially now after the pandemic. I really feel there's so many opportunities to just think and dream bigger. And I'm not going to let go of those. But on days when I don't feel like change in the whole world around, 
I've decided over and over again, I'm going to let those days happen so that I don't feel shame around the smallness of what I've achieved today and that I forgive myself for not being perfect, overachieving, great, whatever the attributes are. And since we're on the topic of forgiveness, because this is so important to me, it's talked about on so many levels and so many ways, especially in the yoga scene, but even not so mystical these days, that I often wondered, especially after, you know, some trauma or bad incident had occurred, I often wondered, like, well, uh, how am I supposed to do that? How am I supposed to forgive myself for wasting my life with this person for so many years. That's a topic that came up over and over. And if you want to know more about it, check out my last episode, which is called Infidelity, and that'll tell you a whole lot about that particular chapter. But I thought there must be a way to forgive myself when things get really, really unbearably shameful to me. Or like I said, when I'm getting into this self-loathing mode. And so what I've been looking at is How do other people forgive? What kind of big, big things other people forgive? I mean, I've heard interviews of women who have been raped or whose children weren't treated badly, and they forgive. Now, that seems like a tall order, and I didn't necessarily replicate that, but it's just interesting to look at. And the other aspect of forgiveness in a practical way is, do you forgive people when they make mistakes, when they trespass, when they do something that you didn't think was quite right? I'm not talking the huge, huge, huge stuff because, again, different league. But do you forgive them? And if you answer this with a yes, why would you think that you don't deserve that same treatment by you? I'm not asking you to have other people forgive you. That's a whole nother episode. But if you tend to be a person who forgives and then hopefully also forgets, then at the very least, you should also be at the receiving end of that forgiving treatment. Especially after I yelled at my son sometimes, I would go into this whole self-loathing. I absolutely hated who I was. I felt so guilty. I would cry. It was so hard. I had been driven to my personal limit by whatever was going on in my life, and I had taken it out on my son. And sometimes he was very small when that happened. And that's really, really painful. I think any mother, any father who's fucking lost it with their kid knows what I'm talking about. How do you come back from that? But the truth is, apart from, of course, apologizing to your child and giving them a context why maybe you acted in this way, it's also really important to say, in my case, Ricardia, I'm sorry for what happened. It wasn't great, but I forgive you. Like literally, I stepped into this dialogue of I forgive me. And it's so hard to do sometimes. I don't know if you've tried any of these exercises of saying I love you in front of the mirror. Jesus, I struggled with that for years. I was like, nah, I don't feel it. So then fake it till you make it, whatever it takes. But to come out of this self-loathing loop, the only way I know how is to create a short fuse. And to short fuse the loop, you do something that seems entirely counterintuitive. For me personally, it was to say, I forgive me. I'm a very lovable person. I messed up there for a moment, but I forgive me. It's radical, people. It's not easy, but try it anyway. When I was going through a particularly difficult time in my life, I came across this researcher, actually, I think she's a Harvard researcher, 
and, and scientist. Her name is Christine Neff. She did a lot of research on compassion and has been quoted by all the big names. Brene Brown, I think they've all sort of worked or talked to her at some point. And she said a very key thing for me. And she asked the question, how would you speak to your best friend when they're going through something where they're self-loathing, where they feel badly about something in their lives that went wrong? And the truth is, I talk very kindly to my friends. I love my friends. I love my family. Why on earth, on top of their berating themselves, would I come in and say, Jesus, I told you so? Or, well... Didn't you know that this and that was going on? Or what made you make that decision? That seems really dumb. And a whole lot of other words that I can say to myself. But I would never talk to another person that way. And not only would I not talk to my best friend that way, I wouldn't even talk to a person that way who had treated me maybe not so fairly in the past. I wouldn't use those words. I would try to somehow find a way to, yes, maybe be direct, and give advice if it were sought out, but to not berate. And so if we wouldn't berate our best friend, why would we berate ourselves? And I really recommend reading some of her research, by the way. I think it was really excellent. And in that context, Brene Brown. And since I'm already on the recommendations, let me send this last point to you. This book is probably one of my top five all-time favorite books because it's so important it is written in such a loving and I have to say almost unprecedented, eloquent way about all these subjects that I just, it can't be ignored. And it's by Alain de Botton. I think he's British. He sounds British. And it's called The School of Life, an Emotional Education. And I'll pop that in the show notes for you. What I love about this book, apart from everything, is there's no mystical thing here. He doesn't talk about God, and I have nothing against mystical or God. I'm a yoga teacher, for crying out loud. That's not what it is. But he has such a practical and yet loving and compassionate way of helping us understand why we do what we do, that it's okay that we do what we do, and that everybody, no matter where they come from, has a certain set of universal things about themselves that make us who we are, which is the human species. So I hope this serves you. I hope it maybe softens some of the blows that you deal yourself, that we deal ourselves, and that you can take one or another point and hopefully apply it today. I hope you're doing well and sending love. <laughs>